Where is the line between work and leisure? Hello, hello, and welcome to the Mate Sessions on cliffcentral.com. Um, it's good to be back. It's been a while since I've, I've hosted the show. Hello to my, my lovely co-host, Lisa Cindy. Hi, I'm trying to make such a dramatic welcome for you. Oh, no, but, don't even. You know, I'm just, yeah. No, I'm, dude, business I'm as usual. I'm who I am. Yeah, uh, you held the fort down beautifully I without stopped. me. I almost didn't come back. She was so good. <laughs> <laughs> stop, don't stop. <laughs> Where is the line between work and leisure? Ilana Africa is quite a popular media personality. She's done a bit of television presenting, but most of us will know her from her days as a jock on 5FM. Anyway, she's always had quite a strong following. And uh, I can see why. She's very hip and and charming. And she's got that whole rainbow nation, middle class, Black yet Afrikaans speaking thing going for her. Um, anyway, a few days ago, she tweeted something rather uncharming. Teresa will read the tweet, and then what we want to do today is have a discussion around some of the comments and have you ask yourself, where is the line between work and leisure? So it was a very interesting time that she tweeted it because it was at the time when um, Nasty C was actually trending. So a lot of people missed what it. What is a Nasty C? <laughs> a Nasty C is a South African rapper, a very talented South African Aha. rapper. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not. <laughs> and um, yeah, so she, she tweeted something that, I mean, I think initially was absolutely supposed to be harmless and she tweeted cleaning the house is therapeutic i understand why someone could do this for a living and twitter went wild or the ones that saw it at least um when they weren't too busy trying to figure out mm. what's happening in mm-hmm. his life so just reading through some of the comments but before you do suddenly you know when you read that the first time mm. earlier on it really upset me and then something about you reading it now kind of made me empathize, which I wasn't before. It's almost like you can either see it as something scathing or something she's saying, um, I don't necessarily want to say with with empathy, but in in trying to like relate to domestic workers. But I think when we start to have those kinds of arguments for these, we make it seem as if we can only critique these things based on someone's intent and it's mm. just not true. Mm. Some things are just detrimental. No, I completely, completely agree. But it no was matter just, what they what their intention is. It was is. just strange um that after the second take, like my sentiment kind of flipped on its head a little bit. Um but I completely I'm, agree with I'm you. Still feeling the same way <laughs> feeling the same feelings, feeling some type of way. <laughs> okay, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> So um some of the some of the remarks were as abrupt as no my sister no this was by Spoom Tembu another tweet by Mandela's finest said delete this tweet such ignorance from black person no hell I can't um Ingeku um Zenkosi underscore said getting paid less than five thousand rand is therapeutic 
Um, mm. Question mark. Mm. Very, mm. very good point. Shots um, fired. <laughs> someone called Judge Jury 25 said, your ignorance is astounding. They chose to clean. No one is holding anyone at gunpoint. Are you really living in SAGs? Okay. Anyone who and calls themselves Judge Jury. I know. Is um, it's coming, disqualified. It's coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, someone uh called at OJT says you play with serious issues. Uh, so yes, just an array of different feelings, some feeling disappointed, some angry, some not understanding the nuance in the tweet and how problematic it could be. So sort of laughing it off and saying, oh my God, I wish you could clean my house. Eventually she realized how crazy it went. So she, so she dug her hole. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she continued. <laughs> and so this was on the 20th of April. So the 21st of April, she sent out a tweet saying, let me set the record straight. Both my grannies were domestic workers. I'm proud of them. My comment was not meant to offend and ended it off with a heart. Uh, people came once more for her <laughs> saying, thank you. That's the equivalent of saying I have black friends. Just stop. Why are you continuing? So I feel like the backlash must be premised on an assumption that domestic workers don't have a choice and don't necessarily enjoy the work that they do. So do you think to somebody who chose to be a domestic worker who was happy with their job, was being paid satisfactorily, satisfactorily, is that a word? I, I think know. it might be. Anyway, so. <laughs> was was happy with what they were being paid um, and really did enjoy their job. Do you think that tweet would be offensive to them personally? I don't think to them personally, but I think she made the statement towards an industry, mm. not towards a person. Mm. And I think that's where it's, it's mm. a problem because as an industry, it is often one where very little choice is there. And it's not even it's not even just that um they've been stripped of choice, it's that too many circumstances in their lives make them end up there, you know? Yeah. So, and and they have very little options, be it that they have a lack of education and so that's one of the easiest jobs that you can get as someone without education or access to funding to get education. So it's not even like education is in the pipeline and that's why a lot of domestic workers remain domestic workers even when they don't want to be. So it's just, it's, it's naive to be actually, to be very frank. It's very naive to associate her, her, because even, even th the therapy that she found or she experienced was also in cleaning her own home, mm. not in cleaning someone else's house, mm. not being, um, watched over mm. or, you know, having repercussions if you don't clean in a certain way. Too many factors were really, really different between mm. her enjoying it as therapy and it being a job. And so for her to even link those two things is... Yeah, I mean, also for me, the first time I looked at it, what sounded very patronizing was uh, this idea that she was having an aha moment, like suddenly a breakthrough, right? Mm. And I kind of wondered what preceded that... Aha moment. You know, before she had the aha moment, what was her, what was her thinking? Right? Yeah. Was it that domestic work is an inconceivable line of work? Mm. This is a, it's a very good point. And that she couldn't understand why anybody would choose it. Was that, was that her thinking? I'm just trying to understand. I don't know. Because we, we, 
don't have to dispute that it can be very ther- therapeutic to do something like that because that's, you know, you're, when you're doing hard labor, it can release endorphins, especially when you're not under pressure. So it can legitimately make a person experience some kind of euphoria. Mm. So that's not the thing. No, that isn't the problem. Yeah. Yeah, you see, euphoria, mm, it's, <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, I know it has nothing to do with, with in, intentions. Right. And that intentions are problematic to some extent. I don't know if I agree, but I hear that. But yeah, what you're saying is something that comes from a place of actually having enjoyed something isn't necessarily objective. If you yourself have just had a therapeutic experience, you can't be objective about what necessarily is therapeutic for everyone else because you're euphoric in that moment. Yeah, I think you you can be objective, but you can be objective about yourself. Yeah, so it's purely yeah. subjective. Yeah. Yeah. As a result, yeah. The other the other thing that I um, it's suddenly interesting to me is her choice of words. Mm. So she didn't say, "I can now understand why some people would choose this work." She said, "I can now understand why some people would do this work." Is that correct? I understand why someone could do this for a living. Do you see those are two completely different statements? And that speaks to, like, before that, she couldn't understand how someone could could actually do, do the thing. She didn't think it was actually doable. That's that, completely different from being choosable. But that actually gives Giant. me hope. But that gives me hope if she thought that because that means that she associated it to some kind of... Indignity. Hardship or indignity. She did. Yeah. And so for this thought to now replace all of those feelings is absurd. It's just <laughs> absurd. I don't understand. Because it, it, her, her single euphoric moment can't have replaced maybe years mm. of perceiving an entire industry in a different way. Hmm. That's very, very interesting. Okay, so I suppose that is... So that was some kind of high. <laughs> Damn, that was divine intervention. That's some kind of upside. That was like, you know, the ancestor speaking to her or something. Um, and it's interesting because then she says both her grannies were domestic workers. So it's not even like she she has never had close and intimate access I to domestic workers. I think she had self-shame. Like say, self-shame. Self-hatred. Same thing. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I think she must have, because you know we've spoken to domestic workers, get some people carry the stigma and some people don't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, some and so she it. comes from a, a, a line of domestic workers. Mm. She said both her grannies, yeah, right? both her grannies. She may have inherited some shame with that. And she said she's proud of them. She may have inherited, it may have actually been like a really like personal moment for her. Mm. It's just, unfortunately, there's how many characters on Twitter? I don't even know. 140. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's interesting as you say that because maybe it could even make her rewrite her grandparents' mm, story. So maybe she had like a, a lot better than it actually was. Very profound moment of, of emancipation from some kind of stigma she was carrying and gave her perspective about herself and about, uh, her grandparents. Mm. And it was actually more profound. Then it sounded unless, um, it's just, unfortunately, you see, this is the thing. This is the problem with, with Twitter and, and all forms of freaking digital communication, right? Except maybe like video calling <laughs> or actual calling. I don't know. But anyway, written digital communication, let's call it that, right? Is that, right. or any written communication, actually, what am I saying? 
Is that you can't read tone. But still words that you use, hey? No, it's words interesting. That you use still create tone. But it's interesting, right? So for me, there have been three different tones for this tweet each time that I've like thought about it or you've read it. Hmm. The first one was really, really angry. Hmm. Right? How ignorant, uh, how patronizing, you know, what a disgrace of a human. The second one... took it far, hey? I did, no, I thought it was completely, <laughs> completely disgraceful. You, I even called her stupid. You'd have fed it. I was like, how dumb are you? <laughs> anyway, so that was my first thing. I thought she was a, a disgrace and um, it was an indictment of the human race. The second time around, the tone changed in my head and suddenly I thought, um, she's maybe... Empathizing with domestic workers in a really weird way and trying to find their work relatable or trying to, um, and dignified and dignified, right? Because the work is never not dignified, mm. but then it's the injustices within the industry that make it mm. undignified. Yeah. So I thought work it could role. be advocacy, right? In some strange way. And maybe it was just a poor choice of words, but really it was like some strange form of advocacy for her. And she was using this public platform to make people realize people like herself, right? That this is more relatable and dignified work than we realize. Okay. <sighs> bit oh, of a reach, so bit of yeah, a reach. But mm. the third time then, especially in context of her two grandparents, mm. I found, I found it quite like, um, like introspective mm. um, and sentimental. So weird. So she could have, all of those things could have been, you know, the undertone mm. of everything that she said. But, you know, unfortunately, the the one that followed the first one where she says both grannies were domestic workers, let me set the record straight. Mm. That is someone taking a stance, right? To set the record straight mm. because she believes that she was misunderstood mm. um, and then misrepresented through the tweets. And she ain't sorry. And she ain't sorry. But it's not even necessarily that she has to be sorry, but she has to have some level of sensibility to understand what could be frustrating about it. Yeah. And she showed none of that. She, yeah. sh she showed that she actually did not catch any nuance to that. But if it was coming from a personal place, and I know certainly this feels to me like a an instinctive and a defensive reaction when... Somebody comes at me with some criticism on some personal shit. Do you know what I mean? Like a, a personal experience. And they think they can tell me about how to feel about my personal experience. Just instinctively. I don't think rationally about it. I get emotional and I get defensive. Unfortunately, that very personal thing is one of our country's uh, elephants in the room. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? But she, you see, the thing is, do you know how you get sometimes... Like, you and I could talk about black guilt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then if some white people are trying to tell us about black guilt. But that's because they're you're white. You're like, whoa. <laughs> but, but, no, but that's because they're white. They mm. have no business yeah, talking but, about No, it. but that's what she could have felt given that both of her grannies were domestic workers. And she wasn't necessarily sure that everybody else was having that same experience. 
Hmm. You know, and this is again where I wonder, should we act... Should we let her get away with this? Or is that also being very blind to the realities of a country which has Mm. over a million domestic workers? Mm. Which, I mean, if you just go to any university now, any, any black high school, even, even high schools like, like the St. John's or the, you know, St. Stidians or whatever that has some of those, um, students that come from informal, uh, settlement backgrounds mm. um, and get these scholarships. Majority of these people have mothers that are domestic workers, mm. you know? And so it's, it's almost absurd to imagine that the people who are responding to you might not be very directly affected mm. because of the nature of their very personal relationship mm. with a domestic worker in their lives, be it a mother, an aunt, a sister, a daughter, it is it is profound how very intertwined it is so, with the black and uh, you know with the black South African community. Yeah, no. It's 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 just it's I guess I'm just trying to make sense of it cuz I like her. I know well, I like not her like too, a good but reason. you know that's why she must get called out actually. <laughs> but what I think we should try and f- figure out and almost why I'm trying to play all kinds of d- devil's advocate is I'm trying to figure out why she didn't delete it? Uh, well, she said my comment was not meant to offend. You know, the moment someone says that pisses me off because she's assuming that people are angry with her because they thought her intention was to offend, mm. which is not talking about the issue whatsoever. Right, people like this offense, huh? You know what I'm saying? It's so distracting. That dude. has nothing to do with anything. There was a very clear reason why people were frustrated, mm. which I, I mean, I think was pretty clear. Um, and again, you know, I'm, I'm only one person, but just to say that is to literally trivialize people's really real hurt that they just, they, they didn't appreciate that comment because a lot of, our domestic workers in the country are deeply unhappy. They're abused. They are disenfranchised. There is so much going on there. Mm. And that this completely whitewashes all of that. And then she'll say, my my comment was not meant to offend. Oh, okay, thank you. Because you didn't mean to offend, thank you. We'll just ignore that. Phew, luckily. Just in case we missed that. Mm. It's really, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not Okay. It's not okay for her to do that. And again, she didn't have to apologize, but even some sort of acknowledgement that she understands where people come from. She doesn't have to be apologetic about it if she isn't, because there's no point in being insincere about it. But And she didn't even have to respond, to be very honest. If she didn't understand those perspectives, she also didn't need to respond. But she decides to respond and then make it about offense. Yeah. So there's this kind of popular view that like, I don't know where I stand on it, to be honest. Um, offense is not given, it's taken. I don't know where I stand on that. Um, I think that I think it's it can a two-way be street, to be honest. I think you can deliberately set out to insult somebody. Yeah. And, I think and they can choose not to take it. Yes. Right? At the same time... I think you cannot sit out to insult somebody and they can take yes. insult. And I think and I think someone can also deliberately choose to find offense. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So so some take offense because it it feels insulting mm. and some find offense as well. But what we need to realize about offense 
is that it's not necessarily about intention, I guess. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like... But that's why I rule out intention in these things. This thing that can be passed around or contrived or created or given or taken by mistake. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of the times intention has nothing to do with these things because it actually, oftentimes when, when in, we focus on intention, we actually silence the other person's very genuine experience of that pain or that frustration with that comment or whatever it is. Mm. I didn't intend to, oh, therefore I have to just pretend that I'm not feeling some type of way, you know, and that's, that's just, it's, it's an unfair thing to throw out because again, when we're in, we are in a very, very racialized society and it has been racialized since the 1920s as it, as it, you know, became um, designed that way. So we're in a society where there are so many, um, I guess like racial undercurrents, you know, Mm. that are just entrenched in the way that we speak, the way that we engage with each other um, how we talk about, you know, certain, certain industries, uh, how we talk about certain genders, all that stuff. It's just, it's all in there. And so when we say these things, a lot of the times we'll say it also because we're conditioned to, we're mm. conditioned to perceive things in that way. And so when you're conditioned, intention, intention means nothing. Because your conditioning makes you do what you do with the yeah. best of intentions. Mm. But I suppose, you know what, the thing is then, it's, it's the critic's responsibility not to make it personal too. And I think we then also, as people criticizing her, should rather criticize what she's saying instead of personally mm. attacking her. Yeah. Right? Because I think when the critic personally attacks you, then you you take it personally and you make it about yourself and you lose sight of the bigger picture. We are very aware that some will come straight at you and insult you. And often mm. those hurt a lot more and maybe blind you to some of the ones that are making really good points. But mm. when someone says, so getting paid less than 5,000 rand is therapeutic, mm. That's a very, very good question, mm. you know. Um, so even in the loudness of being personally criticized and attacked, mm. there were very strong points coming out. And why couldn't that at least just give her some time to think a little bit before sending yeah. a second tweet? No, look, I mean, the fact that she had an opportunity to respond uh, and still managed to miss it. Somehow, uh, it gives me less of a a leg to stand on in her defense. I guess not I, that I was ever defending her. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm coming or going or from. No, <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, I think the the great thing that you do isn't defend, but it's to just entertain other possibilities, which I think is really important. I guess why <laughs> I'm as hard as I am on it is because often. And this is from a position of privilege that we get to entertain other ideas. But, mm-hmm. you know, from position, from maybe domestic workers' positions where this really hurts mm. or it makes them feel completely unseen, unheard, mm. dehumanized, you know, those kinds of things. Like, I can't I even, I can't you, even, yeah, I can't even begin to imagine the kind of pain that that, that must experience where they don't even have 
the luxury of entertaining yes, that yes. she might have meant yes, something yes. else. Yes, yes. You know, and that's and yeah, if we sort of the always most dehumanizing thing actually. Look at the this the one that's will that stands to hurt the most. Mm. I I think I tend to like argue from that perspective. <laughs> no, and I I on that basis I completely completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. Um I don't think there were, I suppose I don't think there was any question as to um whether her tweet was harmful. Yeah. Right? Um I suppose the only question was well, <laughs> why did she do it? <laughs> why, Lana? Because <laughs> we really do love you. Mm, no, and, and, and I still do and I, I believe in you. Um <laughs> It's not patronizing at all. I really mean that. <laughs> I mean, but onto your question about where, where, where do you draw the line between leisure and work? Leisure and work. Yes. What are your thoughts on it? Where do you draw the line between leisure and work? Um, livelihood. You know, when something becomes. I have to rather than I want to. I have to for any reason, and usually it's livelihood. That's mm. where the line is. Um, and from my perspective, it's like when I have to write for money. <laughs> <laughs> it is hell on earth. <laughs> it is hell on earth, and that's that's um, that's kind of where I I draw the line. What do you I think? F- I find it so interesting that you say that because if I could get paid to do what I love, oh, that would be. You know, the most amazing. Okay, I actually do. I've actually gotten to that stage because I love teaching and I get paid to teach. Mm. But, um, and it's painful, especially when you love it so much that you want to be really good at it. Mm. So then it it becomes painful to produce it. And then with the added pressure of being paid, so now you have to to, um, answer to certain Mm. people and pressures. But at the same time, because it is so joyful, Mm. it's, it's okay. So I, f- I find it very interesting that but for the, you, there's a limit even with your passion. Yeah. No. For me, and it also, look, it's not as, I mean, it's not as straightforward as that. For me, mostly it has to do with like, actually, it's got to do with autonomy, to be honest. So is it it's not, autonomy. It's the working conditions. Yes. And that's really the point of what we're so, so not necessarily the nature discussing of here. the writing, for instance. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. It's got, it's got to do with the working conditions. So do I have okay. autonomy over what I'm writing? Am I on, I, on my own time frame? All of mm. that stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. If with the right conditions, then it, I, I, I don't mind as much doing it for a living, but usually doing something for a living comes with its own conditions. And I think that's yeah. kind of the point here. Um, and where the line is for domestic workers, where most of the time I actually think it is blurred for them, right? Because we've spoken so often to domestic workers and there is such a love and a passion about what they do, you know? And they kind of go back and forth between feeling like mothers and sisters and then employees, you know? So I don't think it is, I don't think it's clear for them either. Yeah. Um, Huh, that's an interesting point because the, in a way, it's in the benefit of the family to make her feel that way, mm. not necessarily to her benefit. Mm. To make, you know, like, 
the if the family makes her feel motherly enough so that they mother so that she mothers their child mm. it benefits them more than it benefits her you mm. know from her side it just creates unnecessary bonds that mm. then get broken or um you know tainted later on with the na- when the nature of the relationship changes or when she doesn't get good pay or when she isn't allowed to go to the to the doctor when she's sick that kind of stuff so so it's a bit confusing because you experience love and then you experience a lack of love and all of those things are intertwined to form some kind of reality you have to Yeah and sense I suppose of. in that sense it's not quite leisure it's just like a maternal instinct that becomes a little bit perverted Yeah quite you know? perverted rather than something they necessarily enjoy yeah doing yeah but i I mean i don't disbelieve them when they say that they love it Mm. um because i because i really i mean yes there there is a therapeutic nature to you know spring cleaning Mm -hmm. like a lot of the times people will do that and they'll feel anew and they'll They'll feel like their even life me, is girl, changing. I enjoy, uh, even me, you, you know, know what I'm saying? Or, or some will just go on a cooking spree mm-hmm. <laughs> and feel the same thing. But I don't put that shit on Twitter. <laughs> 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 no, you can, but you just shouldn't compare it to an entire industry <laughs> that is dealing with a lot of discrepancies. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, so, so I definitely believe that there are a lot that enjoy it. You know, some that chose it, some that didn't choose it and ended up loving it Mm. but maybe you know it gets a bit complicated in terms of the relationship but um i guess it's it's a bit you know similar to to you and the the writing where you know just the nature of the the context yeah it's it's so important but there's got to be always a level of choice you know what I mean? Of yeah. of personal freedom. Without that, I think personal, then the line is. Yeah, I think personal freedom because not necessarily choices. Yeah. I think about it because some some domestic workers got in there, mm. uh, didn't choose it, but ended up liking yeah. it. Yeah, and so with me as well, like I was saying, I would, if I needed to, still enjoy writing. For money, if I had personal freedom. Yeah. What does personal freedom look like? being able to not being told how to write mm-hmm. so for them it would be not being told how to do their jobs mm-hmm. which they are right all of the time big brothers watching because and there's so much micromanagement mm-hmm. yeah micromanagement because no, because i'm just wondering where the balance is in that so so are you okay with having a certain set of rules and from there there's sort of a common set of rules and from there you have freedom because, you know, some employees might feel entitled to having a certain set of rules. Yeah, I think there needs to be, can't be, you know, willy, willy-nilly. There needs to be some kind of a, a, a brief or a mandate. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, if you're, if you're doing something for somebody else, it needs to serve their own ends. So when does it encroach on your personal freedom? When I'm told how to do it. Am I being told what? So what to do is okay. Ah, fair. And look, there are lines to that, right? So for, <laughs> you know... What for a domestic worker, for instance, might be drawing the line at washing underwear. For me, it would be drawing the line at social media writing. Mm. You know, like Facebook and Twitter posting. You're not for those 140 characters. It's not. I'm not about that brevity. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I you know what I mean? Understand. Um, but I mean, let's just touch on that a little bit because say... I mean, yes, the way we have heard the domestic workers just don't want to do this, mm. you know, washing people's underwear, especially grown as people. It's so different if it's children, but yeah. And so if, and that's the what, 
that's what they want you to do, not mm. how they want you to do it. Mm. So if even what they want you to do is already problematic, where do you begin? That for me is what crosses the line between leisure mm. and work. So where even what you mm. are doing, what they want you to do compromises mm. your, it starts your integrity. There. Your integrity. It starts there. Okay. I can maybe deal with what. So how is a non-negotiable for me in terms of personal freedom? Mm-hmm. What is negotiable? Um, what if, what if how is, I mean, or what if they show you how to do something because they have, say, 20 years of experience in something? But then or, I need to feel like there's in an case, inherent have, benefits to me and my craft. So, like it's a kind of mentorship that'll yeah. make you better. You know what I mean? Or, there needs to be yeah. a personal incentive for me. Cause what if the how in households is we are members of this family, therefore we know when our child wants to eat. We know when, I don't know, the husband gets home and exactly how he wants his food or whatever it is, you know? So, so there's a level of understanding that they know in their household that makes them want to tell the domestic worker how to do their job. Mm, or think, is there a limit to that? Maybe once they know, then give them the freedom yeah, to... I think I think there's no like single point or single line for everyone. I think from that point of view, it definitely varies. Um, and I think everyone has a different sense of what personal freedom means for them, you know? Um, but I think that everyone's, uh, criteria for personal freedom needs to be, whatever that criteria is for personal freedom needs to be satisfied for something to still be of therapeutic or leisurely value. I really love that you, 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 Split those two things Choice and personal freedom Oh you did But you brought it (laughs) (laughs) No but I love I love that Because it's It's so important Because I think A lot of the times The argument Gets reduced to choice Mm. And I do that You know Like because in a lot of times in my head, choice feels like everything. Mm. And especially when you come from environments where you feel very restricted, but actually mm. it's, it goes way beyond choice. Then within that position, mm. how much freedom do you have mm. once you're in it? Mm. Um, and then, and that gives a lot of room to, to manipulate, you know, it does for sure. And then the second thing, I suppose it's part of personal freedom, but for me, like time is crucial. Yeah. Like I've got to be able to do things in my own time. The minute there's a time pressure, I know. Then I feel like the line is crossed. Again, what if you're in a role <laughs> where, again, you, the children come in at a certain time, they have to sleep by a certain time, the husband comes at a certain time, you know? For me, personal. So all of those tech. things, all those things, tech. then become. Not tech, but at that point, like, I personally am no longer um, deriving any value. Or well, not value, but um, joy from what I'm doing. And when you have no choice. Mm. Yeah, can you imagine? I can't imagine. Mm. So with that, should we go into our thought of the day? Yeah, so uh, this time we thought to have a quote of the day that you must really think about. So this is uh, quite a famous quote by Oprah. And um, it says, and this is about success. I mean, so many times Oprah Winfrey has gotten asked about success. And from her many insights that she's come up with through the years that she has been successful, one of the quotes that she's 
mentioned a couple of times is, you know, you are on the road to success if you would do your job and not be paid for it. Hmm. Now, hear us out. (laughs) 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 Because, um, and Oprah by no means had any kind of, you know, princess, silver spoon in mouth story. She did really come from dire dire conditions. Um, Actually, her mother was a domestic worker, you know, called Maids in America. So her mother was a maid. And um, so everything that she earned, you know, of successes and wealth was really from a position of nothing. So it's not necessarily that she's saying it from a position where she doesn't understand what it means to have nothing or come from nothing. Mm. But at the same time, sometimes when you're in a position, um, and in her case, a position of success, uh, it can be difficult to have a sort of wider perspective. And again, it's, it's a very nice sentiment uh, because, you know, it speaks to passion that you would do your job and not even be paid for it. If you know, it was really and truly your passion that you can't imagine yourself doing any other thing. Um, and unfortunately for a lot of people who have found their passion and fa- have found what they want to do in their lives, um, that is, That's a bit of a luxury, you know, because of, for instance, domestic workers who have maybe found their passion, but, you know, have 10 other family members to take care of that includes their own children, their, their, uh, you know, nieces and nephews and that kind of stuff. And so those kind of things restrict them from getting into a job that they're passionate about in order to do their passion in spite of whether they get paid or not. Um, so, so things like that. I mean, yes, we understand that that is really a show of true passion that that's when you found mm. your, your, your space in the world, you know? Um, but at the same time, it's, it's even sometimes a luxury to, to fit into that space. It really depends on the industry that you're in. Right. So first of all, if your industry is exploitive, if it's like an industry that lacks dignity, um, and recognition, are you really on the road to success? You no, are yes, a criminal. Because, because, because you could, um, because success is actually personal. So, so I think, Suppose, and I think the success that she's talking about is the personal kind of success, not necessarily, uh, universal understanding of success. Hmm. But I do think that anything that's personally destructive cannot necessarily be defined as success. But the person <laughs> must who's, decide. Who's, yeah, the person Fine. can decide. But now she's now making. But she, you see, the the problem with quotes is that they become these blanket pieces of advice. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So she 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 should have said that. She should have added that as like a caveat, but she didn't. She made it sound like such a universal principle. And like, if I was a domestic worker, I'd get pissed off with that quote. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Yes, okay, maybe I love the thing, but the thing is so corrupt that actually there is no success in this for me. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's the interesting thing about success is how even in a very um, exploited um, job or position, you can still also feel success that makes you a little bit confused yeah, but she was talking about, about the, the position, you know? She is talking about that Oprah success. You know, it also depends where it's coming from. I don't if you're Oprah about, Winfrey, no, I don't think she's talking about Oprah's. Success. You don't have Super Soul Sundays that talks about the spirit and spirituality. If you're talking about yeah, money success, whatever, whatever. You know what I'm the point is, she like earns like 
I don't know. I don't think she's the talking. World. I don't think she's talking about that success. I don't think so at all. In fact, I think every time Oprah talks about success, she's not talking about her money and wealth. It's true. She's talking about living your best life. Yeah. <laughs> human development, and and that's why that's why I'm looking at it through that lens is because she has understood that success is so. There are lenses then, and I guess it's just like worth being aware of them. And the point of our whole show is about perspectives, you know. So it's always great to have a conversation from multiple perspectives. And um, thank you, Lana Africa, for the opportunity. <laughs> Hang on. Thank you for nothing. Stop saying those things. <laughs> um, cool, guys. It was, it's just really good to be back. Uh, we hope you enjoy that. Thank you for joining us in the main sessions with cliffcentral.com. Uh, this is how you can get in touch. Uh, please go to our Twitter page at Made Project. Um, and since this all went down on Twitter, Make sure to send your comments um, through. And also on Facebook, go to The Made Sessions. That's again, M-A-I-D-E Sessions. Thank you so much for listening and joining and see you next week. Peace. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.